Sometimes there is a reason in the life of a congregation to pause a moment and reflect on ourselves, a bit of our history, and, and who we are and where we are. And I'd like to propose that today is one of those moments. Um, a couple of weeks ago on December 27th, um, the Reverend Rod Reinecke, who was the founding vicar here at St. Paul's, he was the first priest here at St. Paul's in 1958. Um, he passed away at the age of 89 and um, gave me pause to stop and to think. I, I, I was struck so emotionally when I heard this story, and I want to share some thoughts with you this morning about, about Rod and about the early history of this parish and, and who perhaps we are called to be as well. Back in 1957, there were some families here in Cary, North Carolina, who wanted to begin an Episcopal church. They just wanted to expand beyond where the churches had been and come into this part of, of this county and start a congregation. Um, they petitioned the bishop at the time, Bishop Penick, and he said, there's so many folks, get them to sign a letter. And, and the parish began in 1958 with I think about 20 families or so. Um, and Rod Reinecke was the 25-year-old young deacon who came here to help serve and eventually became a priest. Um, I got to know Rod over the years. Um, when I came here to St. Paul's in 1999, um, Rod reached out to me and he was so welcoming and gracious and kind. And we kind of got to know each other a bit over the years, which has been such an incredible blessing for me to be sitting here as the rector in 2023 and know that I knew and had a relationship and friendship with the founding priest 65 years ago. What a gift that's been in, in, in my ministry. Um, Rod came here quite a few times over the years. Um, it was during the, I think it was the 50th anniversary of St. Paul's, which was 15 years ago. And uh, he came here and I was thanking the folks who had come and thanking the clergy who were here. And I particularly acknowledged Rod as being the founding kind of priest's presence. And I teased him during that time that, you know, Rod, I said in 1958, I was only five years old. And, um, and after the service was over, we had some bantering in the narthex. I won't repeat what he said, but, uh, but we were teasing each other. And that began this wondrous relationship that we developed over the years, which was filled with sort of that bantering Irish humor, I think. But, um, but I got to know him, uh, and I would catch up with him at clergy conferences, at the Austin conventions, a quick cup of coffee. He was always interested in what was happening here at St. Paul's and was so excited about what was happening, particularly uh, when we uh, moved into this new worship space. Um, and I, of course, was always, always pursuing the early history of this parish that he knew and that he experienced. And he was gracious in, in sharing his perspectives and his stories. So I'll never forget those. They have nurtured me along the way uh, these, uh, these many years that I've been a part of, of this community. Um, St. Paul started in the Cary High School band room. I understand a few services were held in Ron, Rod's um, home. And then eventually they were able to get space in the Cary High School band room. 
which if you look at the wall as you come out of the church here and go down the hallway, you'll see a brown paper bag. That is a write-up there by Jim, it says. I think, pretty sure it's Jimmy Hogarth, one of the founders. And they talk about not always having heat in the band room and how cold it would be sometimes, and, and, but they, 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 they went on and they, they worshiped there. It wasn't until the early 1960s that what we, some of us know as the tin building arrived here and it was placed out on the property over here. And that became the second worship space where they gathered for many years. And then in the 1980s, they built what was called, we call the chapel, which was the church when I arrived here in 1999. And then following those faith-filled founders, we were courageous enough to build this building. So over the years, this, this parish community has, has adjusted, it has moved along, it has changed, it's found different worship spaces, and it's had this ability to be committed to this community and, and what, what, we could, what we could be about. I want to share two stories that perhaps, for me, link us to those early founders, um, including Rod. Um, a few years back, um, it was the nine o'clock service, and um, the children were processing out the children's chapel, just like they did a little while ago. And uh, sitting right over there uh, was um, Hattie. And I was looking out at Hattie during the children's procession, and she had this huge smile on her face. Whether she smiled like that all the time, I don't know, but I caught it. And um, after the service, I said to Hattie, I saw this huge smile on your face when the children were processing out. And she says, oh, George, you know, back in the day when we were in the Cary High School band room, she said, you know, I was a lot younger then. <laughs> and we all had our little children, babies, and, um, and we, remember, we used to go to the Cary High School band room, need to get there really early, because we had to set up the room. We had to get the table set up. We, had to bring all the things that Episcopalians need to worship, the cloths, the chalices, the candles. And we set that all up every single Sunday. And um, we'd come with our children, some of them in strollers, carriages, different along the wall. They'd put them in the hallway. And one or two of the parents would tend to the children while the others were setting up the Cary High School band room for worship. And they did that um, every Sunday. And Hattie said, when I see those children process down and go to Children's Chapel a lot more than there were in the Cary High School band room, you don't know what joy that gives me to see that continuing, to see that still part of the life of this community. And we know it is. I remember just watching the children process out this morning. I oftentimes think of Hattie and, and that story. Those early founders set in place a foundation on which so many of what, much of what we do continues on in that dream and that vision. Another story is, I'm not sure what year it was, it was just after we had moved into this worship space, maybe 2000, which was 2004, um, it may have been 2006 or seven, not important, but I was contacted by some folks from the National Church, the Congregational Development Area of the National Church. And they had decided to study about 10 congregations in the country, and one of them was St. Paul's. And they were looking at churches that were experiencing growth, development, 
in resources and doing things like building new churches, which we did in, in 2004. So they came here and they spent a few days here. And if my memory is correct, I think it was around the Christmas pageant. Um, not sure if that was the event, but they came before the nine o'clock service and the two folks who came were standing out there in the narthex with me. And there were a group of guys up here with metal rods under the altar and they're lifting it up and moving it. And this fellow said to me, well, what's going on in there? I said, we're moving the altar for the Christmas pageant. I believe it was the Christmas pageant. Uh, we're moving the altar. He's wait a minute, moving the altar. He said, you know, some rectors have been driven out of the parish that are moving the altars around. And I said, no, we, we do that. We move it. It was actually designed to be able to do that, the way we designed this altar in the design stage so it could be moved around. I said, we also, you don't see them today, but we also have altar rails, but we have those down because of the Christmas pageant. We put them up, we take them down. We put them up, they take them down. And, he, and something that we all take for granted, he came in here and said, I have got to get pictures of this. I've never seen this happen before in a church. He came in and took pictures and uh, he was flabbergasted by that. We really weren't, it's part of who we are. And um, in, in his kind of re report, he said the thing that, that, that about our congregation is its ability to be flexible and adapt and have this kind of style of way of being that we can do those kinds of things and sort of adjust and respond to what we see before us. Um, I think that goes back to the early founders, setting up a high school band room, taking it down, moving from one building to another building. And I think when we came together here and designed this space of worship, it probably speaks of that history, the ability we have to adapt to respond, to have some ability to change and grow in, our, in ourselves. During the COVID pandemic, um, those difficult times of the COVID pandemic, not totally out of it yet, but in those early times, one of the words that I found myself using was, the church doesn't close, it adapts. And I, I realize now how sort of channeling some of that early part of who St. Paul's is that ability to adapt. And, it, and as we go forward, as that Episcopal presence in Cary that the founders had in 1957, and all those who've been here since, um, we continue to adapt. We continue to change. Not only here at St. Paul's, but the church as a whole continues to adapt to a new time, a new place, a new situation. And we are that presence here in Cary, reaching into this community, engaging with this community, not just Cary, Cary and the surrounding area and Wake County as well. I don't know if those early founders could have imagined what St. Paul's would become. Um, we stand on their shoulders You've heard me say that many times. We stand on the shoulders of those folks who were courageous, stepped forward. In that first year, they gave $1,510 to make this church happen. Um, 
And we are now called not only to stand on their shoulders, but to know that in the future, folks will stand on our shoulders. And we are the stewards of this congregation now. We are the ones who are invited and challenged to step forward like those faith-filled founders and all who've come before us and to commit ourselves to give of our ministries, to share who we are, to share our time, to give of our talents, and yes, to support this congregation with our treasure, to keep that hope, keep that dream moving forward of those old early founders. Rod was a gift to that early congregation. If you ever got to know him, he had an incredible sense of humor, an incredible wisdom uh, that not only did we benefit from, but Rod was a priest in this diocese for many years. Um, his funeral will be next Saturday at the Church of the Holy Comforter in Burlington, North Carolina, where he was rector for 15 years. Um, his presence has touched many in this diocese, not only we here at St. Paul's, but so many. And so I give thanks for Rod. I give thanks for the friendship. I knew this would happen. <laughs> Just don't want to forget him or forget all who came before us. He was a gift. And Rod, may you rest in peace. <laughs>